Okay, Boker Tover at the very top of Tesvav Amad Aleph. The Nal Gemara is going to go throughout this daf, um, looking at the three types of people, uh, one who's a mourner, one who's excommunicated, one who's a mitzorah. And we already discussed that a mourner does not generally take a haircut on Cholamoyed. So now, more continues, it's always going to be these three throughout the page. Minudin umitzoraim. What about one who's excommunicated and one who has tzoras? Mahein betasporis. Can they take a haircut uh, during their time of being excommunicated or having tzoras? Sigamora says, Toshma, come in here, we'll learn from a brisa. Minudin umitzoraim, one who's excommunicated in Mitzora, asurim lesaper u lekabes. Forbidden to cut their hair and launder their clothing. So the Brisa says this explicitly. Okay, now one, while we're on the case of Menuda, so now here's an interesting case. Now a guy who's excommunicated, it's usually for a certain amount of time, or if he does tshuva for what he's been excommunicated for, and then it is removed. However, what happens if Menuda... Shemesh, let's say the fellow was in a state of excommunication and he dies before he's released from the ban. He died in a excommunicative state. So is there anything done different for the fellow? Yes, something really different. Bezdin Sochlin Esarona. Bezdin stones his coffin. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda explains what does the Tanim mean. He's not arguing. He's slowing. Not that we put a pile of stones on top of the coffin like they did with Ochan. Ochan was the fellow who transgressed the ban of Yehoshua who said not to take anything from Yericho. And Ochan did take something. Okay. And they eventually, what did he have to do? He did Shuva. But Yoshua said, whoever steals from the ban is to be put to death. So he was found guilty, and then he was uh, stoned to death. And they piled a great heap of stones upon him. So that's somebody who went against a ban, so to speak. So maybe this guy who was put in excommunication, does it mean exactly the same thing as it was with Achan? He says, not exactly the same. Rather, Bezdin send an agent and they place a large stone on the coffin. Why? This is a token of stoning. And the purpose of this symbolic stoning is to impress upon others how serious being excommunicated is. And we shame him by this, uh, for dishonoring the rabbis, says he did not want to seek a pardon and be released from the ban. In other words, talking about a fellow who is recalcitrant. Well, usually when a ban is put on you, you have been um, rebuked harshly. I mean, it's a serious business. And to stay in that state of a ban until you're dying, that shows real um, stubbornness, rebelliousness, etc. Contempt, that's the word. So a guy with that, so we got to show him what it means. So now when you die, big stone is put on the coffin, which is very embarrassing for the fellow. And therefore, 
and that's what uh, that that's the Lalamdacha, this teaches you, Shekola misnada umes beniduyov, anyone who has been put under excommunication and dies while under that ban, Bezdin Soklin S. Arono, Bezdin, so to speak, stones the Aron. Now here's a problem. Gemara asked the question, Rabbi Huda answered it, he explained it. So what's this expression? This comes to teach you. What do you mean this comes to teach you? We asked Allah and we gave you the answer. If it's like a story, we deduce from a story, we could say, well, this story comes to teach you. But here a question was asked and Rabbi gives an answer. So this comes to teach you? So that's why Rashi questions this. So the Prisha explains that the Yulalamdacha means to teach you is going on the onlooker. Therefore, the Gemara statement should be understood like this. A stone is placed upon the coffin so that others will take note of the treatment meted out to the transgressor and will not follow in his footsteps. So it's more in order to teach people this halacha. The Drisha adds in the name of the Rambam that this treatment was reserved for heretics and for those who violated the precepts of the rabbis. Such people are not eulogized. And their mourners do not render their clothing or remove their shoes. Wow. However, a person has been excommunicated pursuant to a monetary dispute. His coffin is not stoned and he's not subject to other penalties. So there's different types of excommunication. They are more for heretics is much worse than other cases. So, and this already gets us into all kinds of subjects I don't want to get into, but it seems that if we're saying that if a person is uh, a heretic, so uh, such a person is not eulogized, we don't mourn for them. So what was this the cause of? During the reform movement in the 1800s, when a child went off the derrick completely, in other words, remember, we're dealing with a much more religious world at that time. And that was the great rift, right? In the 1800s, where Jews now, uh, many children were just giving up Yiddishkeit completely. The parents would, uh, would uh, you know, sit shiva, so to speak, on them because they have gone off the path. But more importantly, the Allah would be, if they died, we don't give them a eulogy. We don't mourn for them any of those things because they already were dead. So that was in those days where people knew better and still chose to leave Yiddishkeit. I mean, they, they we're talking about people who baptized themselves. It's not a joke. This wasn't just, I, I go to German University and I uh, took off my kippah. All right, it's like they baptized themselves. Many of them baptized themselves to be totally integrated into the Christian world. So what would usually happen is the family sat shiva then. They tore kriya then because they really died. Right. Remember, the Gemara says Russia, even when he's alive, is considered dead. So that when the Russia dies, he hasn't died. He's been dead already for a long time. Did they, did they sit shiva like according to halakha or just because they just decided on their own that's what they're going to do? They, they, uh, they sat shiva. No, but I mean, what according, is that halakha? Yeah. Or, or well, not exactly. Or they decided that. But uh, they, yeah. that, that was something to sit shiva for. They, the left. So that's something to sit shiva for. You couldn't uh, free yourself from certain mitzvahs 
not to that extent. They didn't weren't an onain where they didn't make brachas until the funeral uh, and certain things like that. But they would sit shiva because there could be no people had a certain sensitivity. Nowadays, you know, okay, so my son married out, so big deal. We still love uh, love. Uh, whoever, Lolita, and she's part of our family, and, and, and all her Shiksalich grandchildren for us. It's, sad. it's a sad state of affairs. So, But the point being, if the person died in a state of being, let's say, converted, right, we would not mourn for the person, and we would put a stone on his grave, and really, you know, would not be buried in a Jewish cemetery well, if, he was, if he was married, if he baptized himself. Well, let it go. Go to the Goyish cemetery. Yeah. Go Why get do cre- we see in Jewish cemeteries, aside from everywhere else, at the corner of the cemetery, there's a grave for some reason. That's usually, totally, for, that's usually for little babies. What? Do we, just for the baby? That's well, they don't the want to use full plots on babies. Plots are expensive. A plot now is over $6,000. And you get a certain amount of space. And a baby doesn't need a lot of space. And usually when that happens, people can't afford to bury the baby there either. There are certain controversies lately. Eh? I, I think, uh, it's not if a person has, has baptized himself yeah. and or married out of the faith or things like that, yeah. according to Orthodox yeah. halacha, He's not buried with everybody. Just like, just like, for example, if someone was uh, um, committed a capital offense and was stoned or burned or whatever by Bezdin, there's a separate cemetery for them. Separate cemetery. Not buried with everybody else. Well, we it's a serious those. offense. All right? And we're not talking about if they're not religious. Not religious is one thing. But uh, to have totally gone against uh, your religion, so that's, uh, that, that has consequences. It's all, now, now, the Reform and Conservatives don't follow that, obviously. There's many, many goyim, complete goyim, are buried in Parde Shalom and Jewish buried in all these places. All these places. Because you just claim you're Jewish, that's fine. So that's another issue. But uh, they should not be buried. They've, they've cut themselves off of the Jewish people. But, uh, but so therefore, just last this point, I just want to say, so in the old days, if a person, they knew better and they totally went off, okay, then we would even uh, stone their urn, uh, okay? Nowadays, we would not do that, obviously, because that would cause the opposite effect, although that should happen, but, uh, and you should not mourn for these people, okay? But uh, nowadays, they don't even understand certain things you have to do. We would, so therefore, somebody married out, we would not stone their coffin because those <laughs> they cause havoc, but uh, should not be buried in a, in a Jewish cemetery. But again, the Reform and Conservative, they just say they're Jewish and they don't say anymore. And they do that. Jewish, so can be married in a Jewish cemetery? I'm sorry, Jewish. really? When he married out, he's still, still a yet. He married out. That 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 is, the Rambam says it's as if you are fornicating with Avodah Zarah, quote unquote. One who marries out is like he's fornicating with an Avodah Zarah. There's nothing worse than that. Like you, you, you know. Then I'm just asking if he because he, he was still Jewish, but okay. he wouldn't bury him. Again, we have people. If a person is Jewish and he baptizes himself, he's still Jewish. 
He is still Jewish. He is still a Jew. But you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Do you want him next to you, Shelley? No. <laughs> I'm asking you. After 120 years. No, I'm saying if you have a say so, 120 years from now, do you want to be buried next to another Jew who didn't marry out? Or you want to be buried next to a Jew who married out? Want to be buried next to a guy who committed murder that the peasant had to stone him? I'm just saying. And remember, one of the four of you worship idols. If you worship idols, you got killed by the Bezdin. And you were in a separate cemetery. You weren't with Jews. Right? So it's a serious business. It has the consequences. I think it was one about maybe 20 years ago or longer yeah. where he was a Jewish guy who was very... Uh, Jews for Jesus. And they wouldn't. And, and they actually locked the gate. To the That's right. Gate. I remember that. They locked the gate. That's right. That's right. So Which is interesting. I, I, don't, I don't know why they had to lock the gate. You know why? Because if you don't dig the kever, right. how's he going to bury him? But whatever. Maybe somebody but, dug it already. I don't know. I don't know. It could oh, be. Could be. Could and be. then somebody overruled whoever gave them the permission to dig. Yeah. Who knows? Like, yeah, yeah. They closed the gate. Yeah. I remember reading that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a big uh, tumult. But remember, that's only if they find out. You know, if it, it's there's the guy who's in charge, a very ornithical from guy, Howard Mammon, he's a tzaddik, but he can only do what he knows about. Right. If a rabbi will call him and say, oh. You should know that this guy should not be buried, you know, but you can't start. You remember, there's millions of uh, synagogues and temples and this and that, and you can't, you know, inspect each and every one of them. And they really, that's not his business. So you have to make some kind of shalom. But if it's uh, it's a known fact that the guy is a Jew for Jesus guy, and it's like it's known, that's already yeah. a chutzpah. So you have to. Isn't also each area? It's it's its own area. It's so so that's how they make shalom. That's how to make shalom. Okay, so so you've got the reform in these places where you certainly don't want to be buried there because for sure, without a doubt, there are halachic goyim that are there. Without a doubt. Even conservative, it's the same. But you don't want to be married in the communal section either because the communal section, there's no vetting done. Now, obviously, a goy, generally speaking, an Italian guy, you know, a real, doesn't do it would not want to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. He was buried in a Christian cemetery. Because Italians are Christian. So he, it's generally not a problem. And, uh, and it could be, I don't know if it's more expensive. I don't think so. I think all plots are the same, no matter around the world, uh, in Canada, Toronto, whatever. But they wouldn't want to. But if the guy says they want to, what, are you going to start arguing? You know, and just say, we're not going to let you. So the communal section, it's known you don't want to be buried there because there's for sure going to be going in the communal section. The only advantage you get in buried in your orthodox shul is that you hope the rabbi vetted properly and that there's only Jews are in that section. My buddy, there was a, a family in the school in Windsor that had come from Poland and the daughter married out to some goy and they said shiva for her. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. That... So, so the Gemara here is telling us, you know, what was usually done in those times. So that, and it was, it was an unusual thing because it was not done as often. Nowadays, it's not so simple. It's not so simple. 
for this. I, yeah. I know a couple. Um, it's public story because she told it on online. If I could say, yeah, Adrian Gould. Yeah. Renee Chapara. Yeah. Her from the weird little kids together. Really? Yeah, yeah, for what, like 60 years I know. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, she, she said this publicly on our Arucheva and it was broadcast on a podcast thing. So, her husband wasn't Jewish. She got married, she wasn't into any Yiddish type. And um, she's a very big speaker at Asia Torah, goes around the world. So, um, he converted. He converted, I don't know, or So, whatever. It wasn't a halakha conversion. And, um, one day he was reading some Jewish article, and he says, Adrian, we won't be buried together when we die. <laughs> she goes, what do you mean? And she wasn't from at the time, and, and he said, look, this says here, this is from a halakhic thing. You know, if you're not halakhically Jewish, you can't be buried together with your spouse. So, she said, so hard. So I don't know, we'll, we'll worry about it later, you know. Hopefully not. So anyway, um, they went to, I, I can't remember which rabbi at Asia Torah, and um, talked about it, and he said he wanted to convert halakhically so that they could be buried together when the time comes. So the rabbi interviewed them and talked, and talked to each one separately, and then um, talked to him, then talked to Adrian, and then um, turned to Adrian and said, I'm not going to convert my because you're not doing it for legitimate reasons. No, because he said, he said to her, I believe her husband really wants her to become halakhically the Jew. <coughs> but you don't, you won't oh. support him because you're not into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, oh, you won't support him, so I'm not going to convert him. Okay, makes sense. Because you're not, you, you don't want to become, you know, a coach of home and everything. So she goes, no, no, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. So she committed to doing it, and he committed. Did. Interesting. It's interesting. He read that. He read an Orthodox one because if he was reading a Reform uh, blog, he'd say, yeah. "No problem. We'll bury you together." It's siyata deshmaya. Siyata deshmaya. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not lashonor. It's not lashonor. That's anyway. But it's uh, <coughs> that was a number of years ago. Now I don't think people would mind care about any of that. Anyway, let us move on to the next section. Remember, we said it's all, looking at all three now. Uh, now, now we're it's 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 not Cholamite, It's mourner, mourner, excommunicated, and mitzora. Those three were bundling up together, and that's why you see now Moid Cotton till the end almost. We've gone just about halfway through the Masechta, and now everything is all about mourning. We forget just about about Cholamite, We're into mourning. Next thing, and a lot of these things were done in the times of the Gemara, and they're not done now. Because that there's different ways of expressing mourning. A lot has to weigh with people dressed. We don't dress the same way. So therefore, certain things just don't apply just because that's the mice of the realities. So here's an example. Avel chayiv batifas arosh. A mourner is obliged to engage in wrapping the head. What does that mean? The mourner should cover his head with a cloak or scarf and draw part of it over his mouth and nostrils. Okay, uh, that's one understanding. The Ramah writes, in our regions, wrapping the head is not performed. This has become the accepted practice, and no one sh- should, and one should not be strict, and adopt a practice not followed by our fathers. 
Shach explains that wrapping the head is not done because it leads to excessive ridicule by the Gentile servants and maidservants amongst us. He adds, however, that the mourner should perform a slight act of wrapping, namely to lower the hat in front of the eyes. In other words, the whole idea being is you want to narrow your focus. Remember, the whole idea is introspection. So if you're just, you know, without anything around, so you can see everywhere, but when you're, and this atifa really is the proper atifa that we should be doing with atalus. Because it's interesting, it's called atifa sarosh. And therefore, the, the proper atifa sarosh is, you're covering it until the eyes from the top and over until the nose from the bottom. So that's about how much space you could see all right, and because you have to see, you're not going to stumble over. But you really got a very narrow; don't have any peripheral sight. So that idea is so that, and that's how you're supposed to really put a talus on. People keep making this mistake when you put the talus, you you have to be able to see. If you completely close up, you can't see. So you put the talus over until the eyes, and then when you wrap the bottom part. It goes over the mouth till the nose. And then you're able to still see that little window. That is the atifa that should... That's only when you do the bracha. That's when you put it on. I'm just saying, when you put it on. But that's based on this idea of the atifa sarosh. So the mourner... Now, you know, the mourner sits in that state the whole seven days. Okay. Uh, But we just do it just as you put it on. That is an atifa. Why would we do a mourning... Well, because as we're putting on and making the bracha, we are wrapping ourselves entirely. Uh, we're having we're symbolically wrapping Hashem around us, and only focusing on yeah. that uh, connection well, with Hashem. The morning, the morning. No, but but it's this. There's a principle involved. The mourner has to realize that he has to introspect for seven full days. Here, when you're putting the talus on, you're just putting it on with that kind of focus. So why would the, why would the, why would we be concerned in following a practice about being ridiculed by Gentiles? Well, it's just, it's just like, wasn't, in those, there was a, it, it just, we, when you don't live amongst Goyim, everyone knows what's going on over here. Okay? But, uh, it, it's now, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's, 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 everyone's going to think you're nuts. And, and we don't have the same, we don't have the same, we, no, we don't have the same, you know. Right, but this would be really crazy, like, to completely, you know, but, uh, but so now he says, is, you know, you, you lower the hat in front of the eyes. If you're wearing a hat, you've had your cap. I don't know if you can stretch it that far. You know, you just put it like over the. Uh, yeah, you need a bigger hat. <laughs> yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, the, the Muslims wearing a burqas now, and you can. Yeah, get away with this. yeah, but uh, anyway, but I think a lot had to also the way they would wear their clothes. They were wearing cloaks, right? So I, we don't have cloaks. How, how am I going to do it? Okay, now how would that look? Right? That would be ridiculed. That's what I think it means, right? The old, in the days of the Talmud, they wore cloaks. So the cloak, you can just imagine if your main clothing was like a talus. 
so to speak. So it's, you know, a long, so, okay, so you wrap yourself around it. it it's some sense of normalcy. Um, but it, it now, I guess, I guess that's what it really means, because as the clothing changed, it's just not really appropriate for that. Now, how do we know, at least, that he was supposed to wrap himself in a cloak? Now, very interesting, it's a prophecy that Yecheskel had, and Hashem is, was showing Yecheskel that he was going to experience a state of mourning, and he says... Some of the things you'll do like a mourner, some of the things you will not do like a mourner. But that implies that a regular mourner does do that. That's right. That's the point. So we'll see, we're going to bring proofs from things that Hashem said he should do as a mourner and things that he should not do as a mourner. So this begins these number of proofs. When Hashem told Yechesko, commanding not to mourn in certain ways, so what did Hashem say? Velosata ad savam. And do not veil yourself to the lips. Okay? Now, this is the story. He told the Navi, your wife is going to die in a plague. And he says, refrain from the usual practice of the mourner. Okay? So, some yes, some no. As you see, for example, grieve and be silent. That's part of the mourning. But do not practice the rites of mourning for the dead beyond that. Don your glory upon yourself. We're going to see that means tefillin. Place your shoes upon your feet. Do not veil yourself to the lips and do not eat the bread of other people. So Rashi explains that mourners find comfort when there are others, also, when there are others to console them. But the dimension of the oncoming tragedy and the loss of the Lovet Temple, now symbolized by Yechezkel's personal bereavement, were universal and beyond consolation. So therefore, so many of the laws are what he was told to do is part of it, but some things he said not to. Okay, so that's, you know, why is Shemwata? That's a whole other discussion. But uh, I guess part of that is, well, and let's just leave it at that. So here he says, do not wrap yourself until the lips, which implies, mechlal, tekuliyalma, mechayv, that regular mourning requires that. So mourning requires that. So now we go to the next two. Menuda, the person who's excommunicated. Mahu batifa sarosh. Because he have to wrap himself up to, over the head. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, Tashma, come in here, Rabbi said, it describes the practice of Torah scholars after an nation. Remember, if we don't have rain, there's a slow progression of mourning that we do to be Sich Hashem and Tshuva. And uh, there is 13 fasts. Oh, it's over a period of months. But when they get to the point where it's really bad, it hasn't rained. So it says, And they wrap themselves, the rabbis, and sit like excommunicates and mourners. Oh, so they wrap themselves like a person excommunicated. Until Hashem has mercy on them. So what do you see when we're telling the rabbis to wrap yourself like a mourner and like someone who's excommunicated? So it would seem that a regular excommunicated person has to dress that way. Seems to be a proof. Abai says it's not a proof. Because when the, why do we have to act as if we're excommunicated? Well, obviously Hashem's not happy with us. He hasn't brought any rain for a few months. He's excommunicated, but here he makes a little difference. Who's excommunicated? An individual or the entire people? 
when there's no rain. Entire people. It's the entire people. Entire people. Yeah. Ah. So Amr Abaye, so Abaye says, can't bring 100% proof from that because Dilma Minuda Lishamayim shiny. Maybe when we're excommunicated to heaven, so to speak, because it's Hashem is excommunicated, maybe that's different. Dechamer could be stricter. So Abaye argues that these sages whose prayers for rain have gone unanswered should regard as having been placed under Hashem. But ordinary excommunication may not inquire it. So the Gemara's question is not resolved. We don't have a proof in any direction what happens with a guy who's under ban. There's a big machlok has shown him and the shach sets most poskim say that excommunication is not required to wrap his head. He says regarding all the queries of Gemara here, that concern excommunication remaining unresolved, the practice is to follow the lenient opinion. The lenient. Okay, so there's no resolution. What about Mitzorah? What about the person who has Tzorahs? Mao Batifas Harosh. Does he have to wrap himself around? Toshma. We have a Brisa that tells us the following. The Pasuk says clearly, Va'al-Safam Yate. It says about the Mitzorah. He shall veil himself to his lips. Mechlal, that it obviously implies, Shechayev Batif Asarosh, he has to cover up his head, Shma Mino, that is a proof. Now the obvious question is, why was there a question to begin with? It's a Pasuk. I mean, the guys in the Gemara, they don't even know a Pasuk. It's straight out. So one of the Balitosas concedes that the question is unnecessarily, and he says the answers, the answers to many of these questions is self-evident. But what we're doing is we want to keep the, uh, the Gemara asks these questions to keep the self-imposed structure of its discussion. In other words, mourner excommunicated Mitzorah. Mourner excommunicated. So we just keep the flow that way. So you're right, we didn't need it, but we want to keep that uh, symmetry that exists over there. Okay, we'll continue. Next topic tomorrow for all these three is tefillin. What's the status of wearing tefillin? All right, yeah.